Hello and welcome to Euphoria Podcast. This is Season 8, Episode 3. I'm Daniel Dracos, and it's my distinct pleasure to welcome the freshly promoted challenger leaf-sin enthusiast, absolute agurin hard stomper, Mark Cajal Lamont to the podcast. Wow, welcome. Dude, you, I love it when you got my back like that. You, you just hyped me up so much. There's a lot of things that I can roast. Actually, there's not. I can roast you about playoffs and occasional stupid interactions that we have off camera, but I got to give you credit where credit is due because I, I, I didn't know. You know what I mean? Because you're the kind of guy that's going to tell me you can do it. Yeah. I'm going to list anything. I'm going to be like, could you fly? And you're like, you know what? Yeah, I, I bet I could. I could. I could make I that work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, yeah, if I, fly, if, I could, if I flap my arms hard enough, I'm sure I could, you know, get a little lift. A bit of a wing. So yeah. it's hard to know, you know, which things you're actually going to be able to like hit 100% and when, and when you're just, you know, being a confident dude. But yeah, you got everyone all the was there. doubting me on this um, bad thing about who could get higher elo. And all I said was, you know what I said? What? Watch me. <gasps> oh. It just happened. Everything Bam. fell into all the stars aligned. And then we're skyrocketing through Challenger. But now that I said that, I'm probably going to lose every game. That's home. true. We did just jinx you completely. Yeah. Um, young anime But if you call out the jinx, it counters the jinx. So the jinx doesn't happen. But now that I've countered the jinx and met, said the jinx, count the jinx, I have to recounter it. So You're... I have to say again, uh, I'm saying it on purpose, this jinx, so it doesn't jinx. Got it. For all the fans at home who are following along, this is what the darker side of sports fandom looks like when you get paranoid and you're convinced. Uh, it's true. This is what this is inside the mind of someone who believes Shox actually has the power to curse people with a monologue. <laughs> okay. But now she has to uncurse, and then if she does this, she doesn't. It's a, it's a little bit crazy. Yeah, you know that was a cool intro. I like it. YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud—that's where we're available. Today we're going to talk to Broken Blade about Shalcut No Fear, uh, and a little bit about kind of his position in the team. Maybe how some of the rumors about the upcoming sale are affecting him. There's going to be a lot there. Uh, excited to talk to him. We're going to enjoy. Kind of a new segment, kind of an old segment. If you remember, that's effing dumb. I've now rebranded it to Thanks, I Hate It. Um, and we get more time to talk so that we're going to be able to talk. Some of it's going to be on topic. Hopefully, most of it's going to be on topic. I have no idea what Cajal's brought to the table. Mine is on topic. We're going to look Mine's at. Mine's on topic. Nice. Okay. We're going to look at next week's games. Before we do any of that, we need to talk about week two. We need to talk about what is happening in the LEC right now. And I want to start by talking about our top teams. So G2 and Rogue right now looking like two top teams. Um, G2 ultimately winning that matchup. But that was not just because we casted it, although I Banger. think we did a good job. I will give us that credit. Um, not to be too self-indulgent here, but uh, that was one of the best matches that we have seen, I think, uh, all season long. Dude, that match was insane. I think I rewatched it. And there's so many cool macro decisions going on um, from the smallest of inches of like G2's bot lane being kind of like um, off sync on the first wave and dying on the second wave and dying to V2 to then complete Armageddon just unleashing and then Hans uh, and Trimby getting punished for winning lane, which is a very <laughs> common slogan in pro play. It's like you win your lane, you push out, the wave bounces in towards you and then you get five man dove and the game's over. So it's my bad for winning lane and pushing out. Uh, <laughs> uh, but dude, that game was, um, that game was really, really good in terms of like Caps and Reckless were fed. Obviously, they were carrying. But then you had, like, Odo with the insane flanks to clutch it for his team. Wunder, like, with the one versus four almost on the entire enemy team. Hans being incredibly fed. Like, everyone had a moment in that game, which I think was, like, the, the cool part about it. Yeah, and I think that ultimately, like, you were... Another reason that I think this team was so cool, this game was so cool to watch from a spectator POV is that this is, this is something I track a lot as a play-by-play. There are certain compositions that are just really interesting to watch always. And I think that... AoE teamfight alt champions like Fiddlesticks and Kennen 
are always kind of hype when they're in a game because they're always looking for that angle. You always get to watch them look that angle. And you know, kind of in this in this sense before the enemy team will, when they found that angle. So watching Odawamne waiting over that wall next to Baron behind an enemy red on Infernal Rift. So there's like no walls. There's like actually like so few places for him to hide. Um, and come over the wall. It's just like, oh, it's such a rush. It's, it's, it's such a cool moment. It's in even better when you watch it back because he sits in the pink brush on the entrance red, if you ever watch, watch this again. And then as they come, he runs around it. Mm-hmm. And then he sits there while they're on a ward clearing it and he flashes over. So he, And not only this, but this was during the, the fourth Infernal Drake, right? The, yeah, yeah. the Infernal Soul for G2. So the Rogue's communication must have been great, right? Like, let's start this up. Odo Amne just says, okay, you guys start it. I'll hide here. When they come around here, I'll go around here and then I'll just flash on them. I thought, I thought it was so sick. But then obviously they tried it again in bot lane when uh, G2 was trying to push in Siege. And then that's when he saw like the cannon flank is just useless. He like blast comes over the wall, gets one shot, stopwatches like 10 meters away from Reckless. And Reckless yeah. just like... Thumbs up. I'm with Ali Varus. I'll start charging yeah. another Q so, now. Yeah. It's cool when it works, but when it doesn't, it's just yeah. like... Oh, so and at that point, they were very far behind, right? Because it was Infernal Soul was stacked against them. I think G2 had... Would they have Baron 2 on that push? I yeah, they had remember. Baron as well. Yeah. So, yeah, they were just in a situation, ultimately in their base, where there's just nowhere the cannon flying can come from. And when you know the cannon's coming, he's not nearly as threatening. Um, shout out to Wonder for that same team fight where Odawamne popped off, really showing us how strong Viego is. And I think, don't get me wrong, because a lot of people are like, wow, Viego's so broken. That was pretty broken, but also Wonder played it super well. But I remember you said, you said last week, dude, Viego is like, Viego is like the most boring champ to watch. He is play. boring, like, dude. <laughs> he is boring. But when I saw Wonder come around, that flank turns Blitzcrank, Blitzcrank who kills Kalista and turns into Kalista, kills Larson. Dude, that was Pog, man. That was, okay, so what I'll say is that was great, but... but. Notice that we didn't look at or talk about Viego for like the 28 minutes of the game. Yeah, when he just got caught on siding like three times, yeah. and then all of a sudden he just all comes into a fight and kills everyone. When he's hype, Viego is really, really hype. Okay. Any other moment, he's so he just sits in his little shroud and like charges up his little ghost he's fist like, thing. Kamehameha. Yeah, his little little spectral little ghost clown thing, whatever the heck the stun is. Um, yeah, I, I don't know, man. Obviously, it's a very powerful champion. The resets are cool. Side note, we got to talk to... We, we got to see Wonder later that evening. And um, don't worry. If you're wondering about the hook bot lane where he turns into Blitzcrank, flashes forward, and whiffs a melee a range hook, yeah. he has been sufficiently roasted. I have had it confirmed by all of G2, us, anyone else who's also seen that clip, because that was... He could have just pushed E, as has been pointed out by everyone. Literally everyone. It was a bit, it was a bit intia. <laughs> a little bit intia. It was funny though. <laughs> it was funny. I mean, it was it was something. Um, looking at the standing schedule, so G two are obviously for one. They're tied with Misfits right now. So there's the the tie for first, uh, which Ro- is crazy to me. The Misfits is like, I mean, we're, they're a streaky team, but it's crazy to me that they're up there. I mean, they beat Fnatic. Yeah. They beat SK Astralis, I believe, as well. Yep. Um, they're they've, yet only to face, lost, they've only lost they've Rogue. Only lost Rogue, right? So even if you say to me, um, well, Misfits is only there because of strength of schedule, right? And they beat easy teams. Well, not really, you know? They beat Vitality, who um, who were looking like pretty good because I think they just came off of beating Schalke. And then um, and then they beat Fnatic as well. So it's like, well, they beat decent teams. I must admit that those teams need more time to ramp up. So uh, Misfits can't tunnel vision on them too much, but still props to them. Yeah. Yeah, so this is really interesting because Misfits sitting at 4-1, um, not to get too much into to week three here, but they play Excel, which I think you would expect to be a win. They play Schalke, and while Schalke have shown us more, and we're going to talk to Broken Blade later, still feels like a very winnable game for Misfits. Mm-hmm. And in week four, their last opponent, um, before we reset the round robin, 
is um, probably G two and Mad, Mad right? and G two, which is crazy though because if you if they finish week four, let's say they go two zero right against yeah. them uh, against those two teams, which are XL and Schalke, then they're six one. Yeah, and even in if they the go first four e- weeks. even if they go down to six three, like let's say they have a bad week four and they lose to Mad and G two, which isn't that unreasonable. Yeah, just based on historic strength, right? That's still six three for Misfits. Six like, three is great. Misfits are at that point very clearly a playoffs team if they can repeat even part of that success in the second half yeah so i think that to me the cool thing about the whole standings thing is like it's summer split it's worlds right coming up lec has three spots at worlds yeah and now to me when the split started i was like three spots it's rogue g2 mad lines right there's no question mad look shaky rogue are making mistakes g2 look like they're in form but then there's like misfits fanatic who like fanatic obviously i don't want to jump to conclusions here but they're getting a lot better i think quite quickly for sure yeah and misfits is just not a dark horse, but they're just like winning every game somehow. So now there's not really three teams in the race. Not to jump to conclusions, like I said, but there's just like five teams now to me. And Vitality still needs a lot more time, I think, as well. I don't think they're quite there yet, but maybe they join the race. So I think Europe's definitely getting a lot more exciting. Um, uh, and I think that when it was this three-horse race at the start of the split, although it's only really week four, it's kind of surprising that these teams are just winning. You know, I expected Mad Lions and Rogue to just win their games, but they're actually dropping a lot of games here and there. Yeah, and it's... I think that shakiness is in summer. While obviously we we give Mad Lions the benefit of the doubt because they went to MSI because they took a break and because like G two has done this before, you know what I mean. And we should give that same level of respect to a team that's come back from MSI that you know give them time. They yeah. deserve to take time away. It's a very Definitely. dense competitive calendar in League of Legends. It's a brutal competitive calendar if you if you go to any international event whatsoever. Like really, just basically Non-stop. means you get no time off. Yeah. Um, so, and that's and that's rough. And so we'll kind of give Mad more time to adjust. But it is crazy because just those teams you listed, right? We're kind of optimistic about Misfits. We're kind of optimistic about, about Fnatic. They could crash and burn, but right now it looks like they're getting better. But then we look at the bottom half of the table, right? Astralis, Excel, Schalke, Team Vitality, SK. Now, I don't have a ton of faith in Astralis, Excel, or SK. And that's... Yep, I have to agree. SK are 05, so that's an easy call, right? But I think I mean, Astralis, it's like that roster just wasn't very good last season. They're now on a three-loss streak. Excel, they're looking a little better with The Nuke only Duck. hope for Excel that I would say is they beat Mad, right? Yeah, for sure. So, like, you're 2-3, but you've beaten Mad. Uh, you've beaten Schalke. And then the, the problem is, like, you lost to Excel. So, if you look at their strength schedule, they lost to Rogue, expected. They lost to Astralis. I don't know uh, why they did... Well, not not going to say that, but Astralis, let's just say props to them. Um... And they lost to Fnatic. So they've lost to hard teams, in a way, and Astralis. And they've beaten Mad Lions. So XL's hard to say. I think XL's on the cusp of, like, maybe there's a chance. But to me, SK Astralis, I just think, like, yeah. I just, until proven otherwise, I don't have a ton of optimism optimism mm-hmm. like about XL or Astralis or SK Rising. Now, again, SK 05, uh, Astralis, they didn't change a roster that couldn't make playoffs last time. There's not a lot of reasons for me to believe in them. And XL have made changes, so we're just going to have to wait and see. But Schalke and Team Vitality, I kind of expect to progressively get better because Schalke like Broken Blade is still playing really well individually I think Team Vitality obviously and maybe we're still tunneled in too much on this like um, leader self-made you know dream but on paper that roster should that's like a playoff the playoffs roster you know what I mean like you look at that roster and you do not think that that roster is not making playoffs and Schalke they're a little bit shakier but because their mid laner has done so well and Kyrie is slowly but surely starting to come back uh, into form I would argue um you kind of have that faith for Schalke but the cool thing is every team has their own story which you can see from the outside right so like if you just go through all the teams G2 they want to bounce back sure Mad Lions just came off MSI yeah you know they're probably burnt out Rogue they lost finals reverse swept they're hungry as hell right they want it Misfits it's like 
feels like everything's coming together for them, right? Yeah, finally. Spring well, split, it didn't. Streaky, yes, but it's coming together. Fnatic, explosive roster changes, you know, and they seemed, just from an outside perspective on social media, their team environment looks great now. Yeah. Um, Astralis, just trying to run it back. XL, questionable changes, a lot of people, uh, and they've got a lot to prove. Schalke, brand new mid-jungle. Vitality, brand new mid-jungle. There's a lot of cool stories, I think. Um, but uh, yeah, it's hard to read into these things, but just looking at the standings with like, G2 and Misfits tied for first, Rogue, Mad, and Fnatic tied for third. Like, It's shaping up to be a cool race for playoffs again, especially if you consider those five teams have made it, let's say, and then it's Schalke Vitality fighting for the sixth spot as well. Like, dude, It's going to get hairy at the end. Oh, it's for sure. So let's talk a little bit about Vitality because they're, they're two, three after five games. Um, and obviously we had the self-made tweet kind of highlighting the fact that he felt like he was choking on stage. He finally was able to um, kind of end the week on a positive note after the just kind of getting honestly destroyed by Fnatic. Um, that game was very, very, very one-sided. Uh, but what's what's like what's your read on the progression in the weeks to come? Because obviously, in the long term, it's it's kind of easy to believe in. They're going to figure it out. You know, leader self-made. We're going to get. We're finally going to get to see this this jungle mid come into power. But when you when you think back to like last week's games, and and even when you look ahead to to next week's schedule, how how are you feeling about Vitality as a team right now? Um, it, it's crazy to me because when I watch Vitality's games. I feel like when they um, when they lose a fight, let's just say, as an example, what their instinct is as soon as they lose this fight is to just fight again. So it's just like an exponential growth to the point where the game is lost within the first 20 minutes of the game because they yeah. fight, lose, fight, lose, fight, lose, fight, lose, and they just keep flipping it to keep fighting, and then they just fall behind. Whereas the opposite is the true when they win the fights. Like, they've got two wins, I think it is, but every time they won the fight, they forced again and again and again and again because they're ahead, they keep winning, and then just all of a sudden turns into a stomp. So it's yep. like stomp or get stomped, and there's no real middle ground for Vitality right now. Um, I mean, self-made with the tweet, obviously. They need to find more consistency, find their form a bit, um, and be a bit more... Uh, I don't know what the word is. Not more tame, because I think this aggression is good. They're playing... They're trying to play... I can see what they're trying to do. They're trying to play like a bit of an LPL team, which I can get with their the players they have, you know. I'm sure they all would love to play that playstyle with like LeBrov, leader, and self-made. Uh, but they just have to find um, their their magic or what's the word their style in terms of yeah. when they fight where they fight and how they fight i think these are big three questions they should ask themselves before you know they just dive themselves into a five-man play for no reason i mean it's unpolished i think is the easiest way it's That's just a good word, it's yeah. just it's not it's not 100 percent clean yet it's very clear to see that from the outset and self-made obviously took a lot of that burden on him by talking about his struggles and performance uh, if you guys didn't see the tweet his twitter self-made law i believe um but also we look at their schedule and you know they've beaten sk and they've beaten Schalke, and that's positive. You know what I mean? Like, beating the bottom teams at this point is a good look. Now, when we saw them lose to Misfits at the time, we probably didn't know Misfits were going to be surging as hard as they did. So when you look back, in hindsight, it's kind of an acceptable loss at the time. Maybe they were feeling pretty bad about it. But sadly for them, obviously everyone plays everyone, right? But schedule is always really interesting to me. This week, they have to play G2 and Mad, and that, oh, that's rough. that sucks. And my hope for Vitality is that that doesn't affect them too negatively. Yep. Leader was very you know, optimistic about the team environment when he came on here pre-week one. Obviously, he didn't want to oversell us. But if they can survive this week, they get the Astralis XL week. So to me, if I'm Vitality, if I'm Vitality management probably, I don't want to say how the players feel about anything. And I'm just like, how the hell do I get this team to playoffs? It's like, get one or two wins off of the teams that are clearly going to be in the top. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? The G2s, the Mads. And that's a long shot, but get one or two of those. And then you just have to beat the Astralises and the XLs. And to me, this version of Vitality can probably just outclass Astralis individually. Yep. You know what I mean? And versus Excel, is it going to be a little bit harder? Yes, but 
Dan versus self-made. I'm giving that to self-made. Leader Nuke Duck. That's a good, like, I I think Luke Nuke Duck is still a good laning mid. Battle of Norwegian mids. Oh, Battle of Norwegian mids. You love to see it. Yeah. That's narrative, narrative baby. baby. Oh, the slow but steady conversion of you into a full-time caster. I love it. Soon you're going to be, you're going to, it's going to be lost forever to you, the pro player-ness. <laughs> yes. You're going to try to rejoin a team and you're going to be like, I think we really need to uh, play through our star player here. And yeah. people are going to be like, Put what, the are, narrative what are in the you team. talking about? Yeah historically you've been good on this champ you know but no i i think also if you look at social media for leader as well one of his tweets unfortunate start but hopefully we'll find our scrim form sorry and be a little bit more patient and i've also heard that vitality and scrims is performing great and i think that the reason they probably perform great is because scrims are just pure chaos like scrims maybe some people have seen pro player scrims out there sometimes they're good blocks you know sometimes there are blocks where it's like not many kills a lot of macro going on it's fun but the longer the day goes on, you get to game four, game five of that day, it's just an absolute like shit fest. Like it's just non-stop fighting, non-stop yeah. forcing, ganks level two, level one invades, like no one ever going for towers, just diving everyone. And I think that in that kind of environment, vitality is it's their it's their playground, you know, it's their hometown. But they just need to make sure they can replicate that on stage. Yeah, but also how much of that is also on the opponent team, you know what I mean? That's my other big question. Anytime a team is doing really well in scrims, there's always like a few aspects. It's like, how do you are you not handling stage pressure very well which doesn't seem like it would be an issue for this team i don't really know what stage quote-unquote stage pressure is like in this like play from home environment i don't really know how that affects players but also your opponents just chill the hell out when you play on stage you know what i mean it's like in in scrims i believe that people are going to take the flip against leader and try to outplay him on stage they probably just won't take the flip you know what i mean i think that's where vitality is struggling right i think when it comes to scrims teams give them opportunities and they get the fights whether leader or someone gets a solo kill or they get solo killed or ganks will start to work and then the early game just snowballs out of control where vitality just stomp you but when you get on stage and everyone's just hugging their tower and playing scaling champs all of a sudden vitality can't find openings and they're like well crap let's yeah. just try and force something anyway then they overforce they don't have the patience and then they just lose the fight games over so they need to instill more patience in themselves when there's competitive games uh, and make sure that they can maybe try to replicate that in scrims instead of just getting sucked into the chaos all the time and that was one of the craziest things that i learned as i got like deeper and deeper to esports and got to talk to more and more players is that pro players just get bored and they force shit it's the craziest <laughs> it's, it's the craziest thing in the world to me because when you're a caster and you're trying to understand why a team makes a play you look at every possible variable you're like oh, how much money do they have? When do they want to reset? What objectives are coming up? Where do they have pressure? You know, And you can make up these f- crazy stories in your head, excuse my language, um, where they're like, oh, this guy just got back. He just completed his mythic item. You know, He's got pressure here. Now they're going to start the Cork, He's about to get packaged. And then you talk to the pro player after the game. And he's like, yeah, I was bored. So I just started the fight. And you're like, yeah, it's true. Because especially <laughs> as a jungler, when you full cleared your whole camps and you know you're getting outscaled and nothing's happening and no one's winning their lane, it's like, Dude, I just screwed this. I'm just bored. I'm not sitting under my jungle or under my tower for the next 30 minutes. Just dive these guys. Just, just go, go dive. Just go. And then you win or you lose. And that's just uh, how it goes. It doesn't sound very productive. It sounds quite, you know, bad. But there has been games, even in my games, where it was me it's, or other players or the, even the enemy team who were just like, nah, screw this. This is just too boring. Just force something. I would love if, like, an analyst ever retired from a team fully you know because i imagine making something like this could could hurt their public standing but if they just clipped and segmented every single play made by a player when they got bored so we could see the ratio of like how many of those bored plays actually like were game changing and like ended up being the right call and how many were just completely griefing there's so many funny things in scrims where it's like i don't know the things i've heard in scrims are absolutely mind-blowing it's like my let's just take an example my mid laner for example or my top laner gets solo killed like two times yeah and i say like so why'd you get solo killed it's just a matchup 
sorry, sorry, can you say that again? It's just it's just a matchup. Oh, okay. So the matchup is you just get solo killed two times, and then there's like all of these terms which are really funny. You know, it's like I play a jungle matchup and I'm down five camps at minute three. Yeah, it's just a matchup. You know, it's like loads of memes in pro play. It's really funny. Oh man, I like I like that. It's just the matchup. That's the class. I'm gonna. I love it's it. It's a classic. If you're if you're in if you're any... ever getting solo killed and outperformed, you're just like, or like guys, in jungle it's as well. Just a matchup. It's just a matchup. It's just a matchup, guys. To be too you killed, that. out jungled. That's just a match. And then if they if they reference and they're like, "What? That's BS." Be like, "Challenger Lee Sin Jungle One Trick Casual was actually the one who introduced me to this concept, and yeah. he said it's just a matchup." Yeah, it's so. the best excuse ever. Yeah, because they'll never know because it's your role. You just say it's just a matchup. <laughs> it's the number one way out. What do you know about blank versus blank? Yeah, how do you know how to play this matchup? What it's just what are you a talking matchup. about. Yeah. Yeah. TF's supposed to kill solo kill you three times in lane. It's fine. It's fine. He, he does. Yes, he does negative damage, but I have to take two tower shots just to you know, just like absolutely. Like how deep can you go? You just weren't playing around me properly. <laughs> okay, dude. Passing the blame. A critical life skill for surviving Hot solo potato. queue and uh, pro play it would seem. So I mean, so vitality is interesting. The other side of vitality, because I think the uh, fanatic and vitality, I kind of always look at is intertwined. Very intertwined. Yes, that's the exact word I was going to use. Thank you. Um. It's two weeks of Whipple Jungle. You're a good jungler. Uh, score out of 10. How is Whippo doing? Weeks one, week two, do you feel like you've seen improvement? Obviously, Fnatic's team are doing better, and Whippo certainly had his moments, but like, how do you feel about Whippo in the jungle? I think he's doing really good. I think he's doing really good, and I think he's doing really good on champions which aren't meta. Like the Cartus Viego performances, I think were fantastic. Yep. I think his Rumble games were also good. The Udyr was a bit uh, out there, we'll say. The but ghost, I think, yeah. I think I think I'd give him a seven point five out of ten. I think I'm really impressed with Whippo, given the fact that he's been playing jungle. Let's say now, two months probably yep. max. You know, we two two three weeks give or take preseason. Now coming into the fourth week of LEC, I believe it is. So or th th third week or fourth week? Third We're going week. to third week. Third yeah. week of LEC. Sorry, it gets blurry when you have a super week at the start. Yeah, I yeah. Tell you. Um, yeah, we'll say around two months he's been playing jungle. I think he's doing really well. Um, he's adapted well. I think his team's getting better to play around him. Um, and I think he's found a clear win condition for his team. And um, I, I, sometimes I like to ask for like jungle heat maps. I know that sometimes we can't get those things. But if I, in my head, if I imagine a jungle heat map of Whippo right now, yeah, bot lane is like red. He is a lot towards the bot side, and I, I mean, think there's good reason for that. I think he has got the boss, the best bot lane in lane, uh, in the league. And I think that he's realized that and he's playing around it. And that was my next question: Are upset and Hillside the best bot lane in EU? Because the other side of this is that, as much as Whippo naturally becomes the center of attention, again, because he's a player who role swap. He's a very vocal player, and, he, and it's something that you want to watch. You know, this is, for better or worse, an experiment that I think just drags me, and I need to know how Whippo's going to do in the jungle. But that said, the rock-solid, consistent performers in this three-win streak of Fnatic have been Upset and Hillisang. Now, Upset's always easy to highlight because he played those two games of Callista. He absolutely popped off. But also Hillisang, who is still doing all of the same Hillisang things but is just not dying very much, which is just crazy. crazy. Both of those, I highly recommend to watch, go back and watch both of the Callista Braum Fnatic bot lanes and watch Hillisang. There are so many scenarios, so many scenarios where it looks like Hillisang is absolutely dead and he walks away with like 100 HP. It's crazy. Yeah, he has not, okay, I'm just looking here at Summer right now. His last five games of LEC so far, he has not broken past seven deaths. Six has been his max. You look at LEC Spring, 7, 7, 8, 9, 10, 7, 8. You know, so he's definitely found a little bit more consistency in the death department. But I always thought of Hilly as like the most death player of the league and he was proud of it. So respect to Hilly anyway. Um, yep. But I think there's two big reasons why Whipple's playing bot side. Number one, upset on Kalista. I think Fnatic have found a clear game plan on how to win games, get a winning bot. And the second one is Whipple and Hillisang. You know, I think that they uh, were 
um, an ocean apart when they played top versus support. Uh, and now they can actually rejoin themselves in jungle support. And I think the cool thing about the LEC is every bot lane is stacked, I feel like. Even you got Hans Trimby, you got yeah. Reckless Mickey, you got Upset Hillisang. It's, it's, it's hard to make an argument for who's the best bot lane. I think best bot lane specifically in lane phase, I think I would give it to Fnatic. Yeah. Um, but there's so many good bot lanes. Even Karzi Kaiser is really good, but they've been having a few off games here and there. I think Neon Limit is a good bot lane. I think Crown Shot Lebrov is also a good bot lane. Um, I think even Misfits with Kobe Vander. I think they've started to find their form as well. So It's true, yeah. Um, I think there's definitely a clear cut of who the best are. I'd give it to Upset Hillisang in lane. Uh, most consistent, best performing bot lane so far in the year, I think, is, is Rogue's bot lane. And I think... Um, highest peak bot lane is like Karzi Kaiser at MSI, right? So there's loads of different um, things you can attribute to each team. Um, and yeah. It depends on what kind of metrics you go for. And it's good, I think, that you call that out. Because the one thing that I will say from like a meta perspective is that there are, I think, two bot lanes that stand above the rest right now for me. And it is Hans, Trimby, and Upset Hillisang. Because, and it's really easy to give them that credit because they are the two that are drafting the Callistas. Yeah, and just absolutely smashing the enemy bot lane into the ground. You know what I mean? So, like, you don't even need to get to the late game or start to look at, like, ooh, how are they positioning in fights and, like, how many autos are they getting off? You know, how clean is their movement? How good is their positioning? Because you get to see it in the first five minutes of the game. And part of that is just because Callista is such a ludicrously oppressive champion mm -hmm. uh, and not very interactive in the early game for the enemy ADC. But specifically for those two lanes, like, I am... If I have to draft against either of those teams, I'm sweating because... Yeah. They're going to ban Ezreal if you don't ban it, right? Just so that your AD carry can't play anything safe. And then they're going to kick your shit in, you know? And it's like, do you take a Callista away and give them the remaining high-tier AD carries? Because it's like, Varus, Lethality Varus, by the way, despite the nurse, still broken as hell. In lane phase as well, especially. And then speaking of Lethality Varus, it's Reckless, right? Who yeah. we haven't really touched on much. I think Reckless Mickey had a quite, quite a quiet spring, I would say. Um, but now coming into summer, they're getting 2v2 kills non-stop. Reckless is playing Varus. Reckless is playing Tristana. You know, he's not sticking to his um, comfort champions, you know, where he would default to things like the Jin uh, and maybe shy away from the Kai's every now and then. Yeah. Um, I think that he's definitely found a lot more diversity in his champion pool, which is great to see. Uh, obviously, it's only uh, the second week that we've seen. But his lane phase with Mickey seems a lot more on the same page, barring the rogue game. They're getting 2v2 kills left and right. Um, Reckless is stealing objectives, getting mid-prio, hardly ever dying, doing the most damage on his team. So um, it's hard to say whether Reckless and Mickey are one of the best bot lanes in the league. Obviously, they're still top three. Uh, but I still think like hand streaming, for example, for me, it just looks it looks fantastic. And upset Hillisang as well. Yeah, and I think it's easier to see and again so many good when you play these Callista lanes that, that people are in sync naturally, because Callista just forces you to be um and also you play these aggressive champions supporters she's gotten all that literally forces these moments of high interaction moments we should support i still think that reckless and mickey are two of the best players in the league yeah, but i'll say 100%. that yeah we, it's been it's been it's been a bit hit or miss part of that is lethality varus i think lethality varus is a champion who even if he doesn't get any kills early game will just sit and farm and do nothing for 80 percent of the game and then land one arrow or one good ultimate and end the game and that's just the strength of the champion right so it's really not the biggest opportunity to show off great duo synergy moments. But you saw it in the um, some of the Tristana Braum games. They were playing really well together, consistently using Tristana jump as essentially a jump for Braum too to get them up close. I think the only thing that I'll say is, is that like I'm with you. I like that the Jin is gone, but all we've seen so far is Tristana Varus. So it's, yeah. if if anyone's worried ever about Reckless's champion pool, it's like obviously he's a long-standing player. But what I'll say is it always feels like whatever the meta is, he's got. He's got a number of picks that he's really comfortable with, a number of picks that he's really good on, and he usually, it seems like he usually sticks to those. In the last playoffs, it was the Jin, which I think caught me off guard, caught a lot of people off guard. And so we'll see now 
if there's more, if we're going to get the like full crazy champion pool reckless, or if he's just going to have new meta standbys, and when there's a big shift, is that going to hurt them? Because in contrast to Caps, who has played five different champions in five games, or Mickey, who's played four different champions over five games, it's still... It's not like it's not super wild yeah, yet. It's not, it's not that wild. It's Even if it not. is, it's good to see him branch out though. It is good to see him step away from old standbys and get back into like the Varus swing of things. It's, this was the first time he played Varus in a very, very long time when he brought it out in the LEC phase. Yeah, and Tristana as well. Feels like it's been forever since I've seen um, Reckless's Tristana. I don't think he played it at all last year either. So it's really cool that he's playing Varus Tristana and he's back on it. But I think that all these bot lanes just to round it out a little bit. Like I think we, we hit on, there's loads of metrics you can use to claim who is the best bot lane in Europe, right? You've got, uh, like we said, Upset Hill Sang in lane, uh, Hans Trimby for what they do for their team. Reckless, I think, is a good consistent daily carry, like his late game insurance. And also the amount of gold you give into him versus the amount of damage and stuff that he does for your team is really, really impressive for what he can translate. Uh, and then Karzi Kaiser have like the highest of highs, but also like the yeah. lowest of lows. So every metric's different for these bot lanes. Um, can come down to personal preference, yeah. um, but... It's like I just I just I just love the fact that all these bot lanes are just so strong. Yeah. To me it's like Karzi Kaiser like cryptocurrency, it's like feast or famine. If you get in at the right time, you're making mad money. You hold on <laughs> to it a little moon. too long or you come in at the wrong time, you're like you're losing big. The patches Reck come out. Reckless <laughs> Reckless is like, you know, he's like an index fund or some like really safe investment where you like you get a little percentage, you're always gonna get back well on your return. It's always gonna be positive. Every once in a while maybe you get a little bit extra, but it's never gonna it's never gonna cost you. You yeah. know, it's never a flip betting on Reckless. Yeah. Which I think is good. I think it's a solid thing to see. And I think it's good that you keep bringing up, like, how stacked bot lane is. Because I think it's, again, an easy thing to forget, especially in a meta where we, like, I don't know. Outside of the Callista games, sometimes it's hard to appreciate a lot of these bot lanes when Ezreal's really popular. And Ezreal's a champion who also is always very safe, mm -hmm. always solid at getting lane prior, but can be this crazy pop-off champion or just this very safe, very boring, very underwhelming champion. And that's what we're yet to see from two teams, especially Rogue and Fnatic. What are Rogue and Fnatic like if Kalista's off the table and they can't really play through bot lane? Let's say Kalista Varus are out and your AD carries are on things like Ezreal and, uh, I don't know, let's just say Ash, for example, or Zaya, you know, or Senna. And they're like not so much strong side, but more so weak side. And you have like skirmishes. You have Lee in top, you have Diego mid, you have an AP carry jungler, for example. How do these teams really function if they have to play through other lanes? I think we're yet to see that, especially from Fnatic playing through top for Adam, barring like that one gank that Whippo did on Carter's top. It was more like Adam being quiet on the Wukong and then him just joining fights. Yep. Um, so, but then you look at teams like G2 uh, and Fnatic, they're they're easily able to adapt, perhaps, you know? Yep. Um, or G2 especially, sorry. Uh, that they, they can actually just play through top, they can play through mid, and then Reckless can just chill and farm. They don't have to play through bot, they don't have to pick Callista. So I think we're, we're yet to see what Rogue can do, especially... Um, when Kalista's taken off the table or Draven's off the table or Varus and they can actually, yeah. they actually have a losing bot matchup for once. Obviously, they're going to try to avoid that as much as possible, but if the enemy team's red side and they can count to pick support, then you're, you're, you're going to have to face it eventually. And I think as a final note on this, you know, Upset's a guy that I've had the chance to talk to a lot over the years and he's always, he was a player that we kind of called out at least on broadcasts, having a small champion pool back in the day. Because it was when Kaisa was in meta, he like played like a myth, 40 games of Kaisa. It's an exaggeration, mm. but let's just say, and played very little else. And his, his philosophy always has been, as far as I know, and it could change over the years, if you give me the S tier, I'm going to pick the S tier always. Always, 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 always. So until someone forces, if he likes Callista, you'll pick something else. But what I will say to his credit is, anytime he's forced off, he usually has something else. And one thing that we've seen from Fnatic is that they are willing to experiment with bot lane. They... Both Rogue and Fnatic on their first day banned away the Ezreal Varus and then picked an aggressive bot lane. In Rogue's case, they got the Callista Alistar. In Fnatic's case, they tried Zyra Khan. Now, Zyra Khan didn't work. 
But I like that. And the thing that it shows to me is that Fnatic are going to continue, not just in the case of Whippo, but even in the case of Balin, they're going to be a team that is willing to experiment. And I love that. Mm. I get so tired of stale meta. So I love when League of Legends gets to be a game where people can think of new picks and break the meta with creativity rather than waiting for the next patch. Yeah, and the last thing I'll say is after having known Upset for I don't know how many years now, since like 2017, and just seeing how um, how good he plays in scrims all the time and never really being able to find a form to translate it on stage in a way where it's like, yes, he made finals before, but everyone was always like, is Upset really that good? And he never really had the pop performances. Now that he's coming for Reckless, after being the biggest question mark ever, I think I can safely say that Upset definitely like stepped into Reckless's shoes, we'll say, and probably preceded expectations by a long shot, I think. Yeah. Um, because of how strong that bot lane is. Up to Tillisang duo looks scary. Yep, I think I agree. Exceeded expectations, most certainly. Um, and ready to see what they can do next week. We'll talk more about the upcoming week after our next segment, Thanks I Hate It, which we're going to get to now. Woo! So, Thanks I Hate It is basically just us rambling about things that we don't like. Um, each of us get a chance to bring a single topic each time we do this. And uh, as I'm starting things off here, I'll start things off in the topic. And I think not you're not surprised, Gadriel, because we've had this conversation before. Um, this week on Thanks, I Hate It from me, SK Roster Swaps. Thank you, SK. I hate it. Um, unleash, unleash, Daniel. All right. So for context, before I can rant, I got to make sure everyone is is um, caught up on all of the elements. So first off, um, Tinks is roll swap to jungle. Jez is from Coach to support. Treats. Treats sorry. Tinks is benched. Um Three few notes. It's not a role swap that they intend to commit to long term. So at some point, presumably after the split, maybe later, Treats will go back to support. I think that's very important to note. Like Treats, yes. he temporarily as much as he doesn't maybe doesn't want to do this, he has to do it right now, and he is going to go back to support. He said that multiple times. Yes. So um, from his perspective, in the interview that he did with Lore, he said SK didn't have the time slash resources to get a new jungler. From the video that um, Interflame put out, basically they didn't have the time resources to get an LEC level jungler. And rather than get a <coughs> ERL level jungler, that's right, the challenge releasing right here. Challenge releasing right here. Available for the low price of five million dollars. I'm kidding. That's I don't want to. <laughs> what if they actually approach you? Ah, we'll see. Um, they they didn't think they wanted to preserve kind of the team synergy and the progression of the team, and they thought an ERL jungler would uh, interrupt that. From the Treats Twitter statement, the benching of Tinks came from Tinks, so their former jungler, came from a number of problems that stem from synergy issues. Not entirely sure what that means. Um, and according to Interflame, so again, I'm just listing information for you before I rant because it's important that we all have the same information before I start popping off. And according to Interflame, every single member of the team was on board or they would not have followed through. Um, and uh, yeah, so Tinks... Tinks was benched on, on very short notice, and that's part of the reason why they couldn't get an LEC replacement. During so, their preseason scrims, I believe it was. During their preseason scrims. Yeah, so there's a lot of things that I don't like about this. And first and foremost, um, it's kind of... this When you digest all this information, there's a lot of stages... Uh, kind of like coping. I went through like anger, copium. you know, I went through like, oh, there's a little grief with sadness. Through copium to hopium to copage. To, to copage to yeah. eventually acceptance. And, and kind of when you take all of this information in about everything that's happened, essentially the underlying truth that they have presented to us is basically that like whatever was going on with Tinks was so bad that they are willing to roll swap treats to the jungle for a single put, and bring Jezus back into coach. Their best player. 
Their best treats. player. Treats. Yes. Their star player. Um, and Treats has been doing well in the jungle. This is not a dig on Treats in the jungle. This is a dig on the thing overall. And so if that's true, which you, you would assume that it is at that point, one, there better be some freaking Dennis Rodman levels of drama with Tinks to justify this when this is all done. Because <laughs> otherwise it doesn't make any goddamn sense. But let's assume, let's assume, let's give them the benefit of the doubt that this is the best possible option moving forward. Why did it happen on such short notice? Is the first is the first question. You know, it's like let's trust that everything they said is good. Why did it happen on such short notice? If there was potential for this, if there was potential for this to happen, if you were unsatisfied with these synergy issues, surely you noticed last split. Surely it would behoove you to come up with a freaking backup plan because this is a shit backup plan. And here's the thing. It causes so much problem. You have stunted the growth of Treats as a, as a support. He can grow as a player, no doubt in my mind, right? You have probably ruined Jezus's chances as a coach here. If, if, I'm, if I'm looking at it, maybe, on a, maybe they're a great team and they could be really open and honest about this, but if my coach sprints it at any point during the season and then I have to listen to that guy tell me how to play League of Legends, and, and again, coaches aren't supposed to be great League of Legends players, but there, and there's a big difference between out-of-game communication and in-game communication. But if my coach is in the game and he is not making God-tier calls all the time and he wants to go back to being my coach, it's going to be really hard for me to listen to him give me advice on how to communicate. You know, he's like, well, you really need to communicate clear here. And it's going to be like, oh, yeah, like you Stop did last my split men. when we were 05. You know, and like maybe everything is going great again, but the stakes are so weighted against him that because also the other alternative is he's a great support. You know, he pops off. He's a great support. And then you want him on the starting lineup. But either way, his position as a coach is not looking good anymore when he gets put on the lineup. Like, I think in, it's in your best interest as a coach to say no. You need to have a separation from the team. There needs to be a clear line there. When you blur those lines, it doesn't get better for anybody. Dude, I think I'm starting to realize with you, like, ranting about this in such a serious way, no one's a winner here. Everyone is a loser. Yes. Literally everyone's career is losing here. And I don't want to pin blame on any single person. I don't know. Ultimately, I think the biggest issue is that SK didn't have a backup plan, right? And that this all happened such short notice. And it's like, again, maybe Tinks said something really horrible or did something or acted really horrible in their preseason scrims that had never happened before. I can see what you mean, yeah then I can see it. But if it's just bad play and lack of synergy, then, then come on. You saw you're gonna it all ruin, of spring! You're going to ruin Summer. You're going to ruin Treats. Yes. You're going to ruin Jezus. Yes. And you're going to ruin the just SK in general in terms of like the split just because there was synergy issues. I'm sure you could work through it on stage. I've had weeks of scrims <laughs> where I've gone 1 and 24 in the scrim sets. One win, 24 losses. On the weekend, I went 2-0. That's actually happened. You can ask yes. XL. And it's so, so uh, there wasn't synergy issues. There was, it, I mean, bad team. All of us were just <laughs> boosted, but it still worked. Yeah, and again, okay, maybe the, we're going too hard. The, here. Yeah, and again, tanks might be a fine player. It might be as simple as synergy issues. And then the issue is that SK didn't have a backup plan, and that sucks. And that really sucks because it hurts the whole team. Because now, when you look at SK, I think the problem is, again, this is a temporary role swap. That's the other big issue here. If this was a permanent role swap. Then it's like you've got one split of Jezus support, but Treats gets time to work into his new yeah, role. It's fine. But you're swapping back. So realistically, this is not a summer split plan for success. And then he has to swap back, and you have to integrate a new player to a team. And again, the reason that they didn't get an ERL player before, according to um, Inner Flame in the statement that he made on Twitter, was that they really valued the synergy that they currently have as a team. But at some point, you have to get a new player. Unless Interflame's coming in to start jungler, like this sacred team synergy, at some point you have to be able to integrate new oh people into God. it. Oh my God, I've just realized something. I'm really mad now. 
Where Treats' contract runs out at the end of the year and he's going to go back to support. So any other team that wants to sign Treats for 2022 or SK, let's say, how do they have recent evidence of his support play if he's a jungler for <sighs> They're summer? They're going to give him the benefit. He's been a Maybe good Maybe they'll give him the benefit of the doubt and it's... say, well, in 2021 spring, you were good. But that actually frustrates me a little bit that his contract will run out this year and then... Um, the teams can't really see what kind of support he was in summer, you know? And again... Because he could have been an amazing support in summer. It's like a frustration shotgun. There's so many little things to be annoyed about. And the t- and the big issue for me is, again, this isn't this can't be a summer plan. Spring, you have to swap back and integrate a new player, which is probably going to be difficult in a, in a process, which means it's not a spring plan, more likely than not, which means we're waiting till summer 2022 for whatever dream SK lineup SK are building for us. Like, that's it. We're waiting till summer 2022. And maybe spring, you know, if things are favorable. But I'm, while I will give Treats the benefit of the doubt, he has to swap back to support, has to relearn support. Then there has to be another jungler coming in. And all this is assuming they keep the same roster. And if they make massive roster swaps, then this makes even less sense because they should have just got a new player here anyway. Because otherwise, again, this great team synergy, this great team environment is going to go boom and you're going to have to rebuild it anyway when you bring in new players. So, TLDR. You're mad. I'm just annoyed because it's like, and again, they're 05, so it's easy to come in here and smash on them. And if this had worked from the start, I still think it would have been stupid, but at least it would have been successful. You know what I mean? So I hope for the players, for everyone involved in this, that this works out for them. But from a decision-making process, this is really dumb. Yeah. Something somewhere is dumb. There are so many variables. There are so many different things. Someone somewhere along the line messed up to put us in this position. And again, and everyone's a loser. If you're secretly the Dennis Rodman of European League of Legends esports, I'm really excited for when that story comes out. Otherwise, hearts out to Tinks, because while SK is, is going to struggle as a team, the real person who gets burned more than anyone in all of this is Tinks, because yep. he's sitting there on SK, he's chilling, didn't have a great split, didn't have a terrible split, but now he's the guy that literally he had it. They made playoffs. And it's, it's, you know, his first, his first split. His first split. Incredible. Like, it's a solid achievement. But now he's the guy that got roll swapped on. You know, now he's the guy that they would rather put a, a jungler in the place to play on. And that, that makes me sad for him and for SK because ultimately, right now they're 05 and it just feels like it's just a mess. I agree. That's uh, my rant. Thank okay. you, SK. I hate it. Roster Is swaps. it my turn now? It's your slap. It's your turn. Okay, now it's my turn to rant about something I hate. Do you know what I really hate? I'm so I hate ready. when I make a food order and I order a burger and I say no sauce and then it has sauce on it. Are you kidding That me? makes me so mad. No joke. I, I wrote an essay. No, seriously. I wrote no, stop. an essay no, in please. here Don't for treat. <laughs> listen, listen. I'm serious. Listen. I dislike sauce on burgers in general. Um, just sauce in general. I'm not a sauce person. Any people out there who go to go to McDonald's or you know some restaurant uh, or, or fast food place and they say no sauce, I respect you. I'm the same. I like the taste of the meat. I like the taste of the veg, and the sauce. It just makes my mouth like I don't know the texture. I don't know what it is, but I don't like sauce, and that's what I hate. that's what I hate. Okay, there's a lot here to unpack. First off, no, there's not. Yes, there is. You're allowed to hate whatever you want. You're your own. You're your own free soul. First off, secondly, I like ketchup though. That's one, that's a sauce. You can't just blanket Ketchup's say you hate right. sauce. What sauce do you hate? Do you just not like mustard? Okay, God, there's so much. This is even more complex. We're going we're gonna to fight more about this not than about the of, treats Not thing. a fan of mustard. Not a fan of... We go to Subway regularly. Not a fan of mayonnaise. What sauce do you get on your Subway? Salt thing? and pepper. That's it? That's it. That's a dry sandwich, No, it's dude. not. It's great. I love that's it. That's like eating the Sahara It has cheese Desert. on it. It has cheese on it. It tastes so good with cheese. Oh, my God. Melted cheese is a great sauce. 
Now, mayonnaise, mayonnaise is very big here in Germany. Yeah, mayonnaise is good. Not a fan. Um, burger sauce. Which is like mayonnaise, ketchup, and sometimes maybe relish or something. Not a fan. Mustard. Not a fan. Oh my. Ketchup's all right. I'm fine with ketchup. Now, I might have angered every single person watching this video, especially people who like sauce, and I apologize. I have nothing against people who eat sauce. I just personally dislike the taste of sauce in my but mouth. But you eat ma. Yeah. And that's ma, for the record, is uh, Korean, Korean food. Korean yeah. fast food. But that's like, that's like a that's spicy marinated, ketchup. That's marinated. Oh my God, it's not a spicy ketchup. You just, Jesus. Oh it's like God. a spicy ketchup. Oh, you're just offending so many cultures. How many cultures? No, I'm serious. Fed? That's what it tastes like. <laughs> it's not a spicy. Maybe my taste buds, <laughs> buds are a bit bugged, but seriously. Okay. No, it's like a spicy. You know, so it's not. It's, it's like, not it's like a red paste, things. spicy I don't know what it is. Yeah, it's like gochugang and a bunch of other stuff. It's it's bulgogi marinade is the easiest way to describe marinade it. Marinade is nice. Okay. I like me some marinade. marinade. So, okay, we have to move on soon because I'm sorry I took most of the time. I and mean, we're going to come back to this at some point because this... I've offended a lot of people here and I apologize. And I am first and foremost. But there's that one person... They're going to find out in 24 hours. I have to live with this for there's, 24 there's hours more than anyone else. Or two people sitting there like, oh, I don't like sauce either. I don't get sauce in my burgers either. And yeah. Who doesn't you'll, like sauce? You'll never understand. You'll never understand okay. the struggles. So here's the thing. So interestingly, Connie, my SO, also not a big sauce person. Yeah. But condiment, I mean, condiments are kind of a part of thing, right? But here's, here's the thing. I'll I like garlic. Sauce. Sauce. And herb. To me. So marinade, let's Some take marinades out. Let's take to, like condiment style sauces. So it's not core to the thing, but just like a Subway sub where you like throw some barbecue sauce on it. It's essentially a condiment, right? That's what we're talking about. Bad. Okay. I think... That they are the reason they're great is because they save crap food. I think if you make really good food and it's marinated and it's fancy, like you don't need an additional sauce. I think mm. you just don't. You know what I mean? It's really okay. good. But what burgers are you buying in Berlin that you want to taste the meat, my dude? Dude, okay. Listen. You said McDonald's. McDonald's. You're yeah. like you're like so thrilled on that like a negative three wagyu or whatever the hell it's got to be that you're like I need to taste this. No, the McDonald's the McDonald's mayonnaise on the chicken burgers. Not a fan. So I have that's to get, true. That's kind of trash. Not, not a fan. So I, okay, let me restate my statement. Okay, before you, we move la, you can move, restate it Re and then real, we quick, go. real quick. Real yes, quick. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, uh, sauce in general, not a fan. Some sauces acceptable, not acceptable to the point where it's like fine. I'll eat it. I like it. You know. I think some sauces, like, you know, garlic and herb sauce, for example, on, like, meat is really good, you know? Like, barbecue sauce is good on ribs, for example. Ketchup's good with fries. But, like, mayonnaise and mustard and horseradish, all those things on the burgers. Yeah. And when I see people with the pizzas with, like, sauce all over it, I'm like, man, you just, you just like, what did you do? Why did you, why did you do that, man? I swear to God. So, if yeah. you're talking about the pesto sauce that's on the Salami Social Club no, pizza, not pesto sauce. we're going like, to I, I see some Scandinavian pizzas with, like, sauce all over it. Oh, yeah, that's true. I've but never like... tried those. But so personally, I don't know. But just in general, maybe you'll hate me for this, but I just dislike sauce. Yeah, there it is. And fish. I don't like fish either. I mean... Maybe I'm a bad eater. But I love food. I really do love food, but I don't like sauce. Okay. Um, that's a lot to unpack. You can follow this discussion. We can follow this discussion up, but maybe on stream we can. We're gonna do mukbang at some point, but yeah. well, that's enough for euphoria because we have to. We have to. I, I'm deeply offended, and I need to. We need to. Ha your definitions are also loose at best. We need to nail this down so you can. Okay. Regardless, we'll, we'll I, I'm. I'm. Who? You're human. I'm gonna take a breath. Okay. You take a breath. We're gonna reset. No, I've been breathing. I'm fine. We're, <laughs> we're gonna reset. Because Broken Blade is on standby, and we want to talk to him. And I'm not, I'm not taking... You don't bring up sauce in this interview, Cadrill. Raw sauce. No sauce in the interview. 
Mine's hot. Mine's not hot. <laughs> you have to imaginarily <laughs> pinky promise me that you're not going to bring up sauce in this interview. Mine's not hot. Rosos. All right, I'm just going to get what I get, I guess. All right, we're going to talk to Broken Blade about Schalke. Let's go. Anything but sauce. It's now my distinct pleasure to welcome none other than Broken Blade to the show. Mr. Broken Blade, how are you doing today, man? How's, how's life? The sun is gone for the first time in an entire week. It's not scorching hot. Are you, are you living the good life? Actually, yeah. I mean, I had I actually had a lot of trouble sleeping in the in this in this weather, but now it's a lot better. It's hot, yeah. And the birds are up at like four in the morning because that's when the sun rises. And I don't know about you, but I keep my windows open to deal with the heat. But then I can hear the birds, and then yeah. I can't get back to sleep. Yeah, it's a rough one. It's actually a nightmare. It's a lose lose wherever you whatever you do. <laughs> Air conditioning, Germany, please. Yeah, unless you have that. Yeah, which nobody, of course, does. Um. So, I mean, kicking back, and I know you've answered some of these questions already, but I would, uh, in past interviews, but I would love to get your thoughts. It's been a bit of a mixed bag so far this season for Schalke, but kind of to be expected, as um, was already mentioned. You guys made huge, huge changes to the team. Um, and so from your perspective, how was it to lose Abadage and, and Gilius, um, you know, two players that you personally have a, a pretty decent amount of history with? Um, I mean, honestly, it was kind of a shock as well for me, you know, in the offseason when, when Abba kind of approached me, he said, hey, I think uh, I'm gonna go to 100 Thieves, <clears throat> and uh, I was obviously kind of like sad that he's gone because he was a very very strong player in my opinion, and also he was one of the reasons why I even came to Schalke in the first place. But in the end, I don't have a grudge on him or something. I'm actually happy for him that he thought that it's the best decision in his career, and obviously he's my friend, so um, I can only be happy for him. You know, like obviously uh, I was kind of sad, but I'm happy that we got Nuclear and as a replacement. I think he's. Been doing really well, especially. Uh, uh, I think he's very, very promising. Has a lot of mechanics, you know. He just kind of needs to like learn the game, kind of, you know, how to, when to do which decision. Like that's the kind of things he needs to learn. But then I think he will be just as strong as Abadage in the future. I like it. I was personally caught off guard by how good he was, if I'm honest, because he he came out swinging. You know, he had some solid first games mm. and. I thought, given given kind of the context of the swap and, and Abadage coming in, and I didn't get to see the behind the scenes, I was like, oh, man, what are Schalke going to do? Who are they going to grab? And I knew nothing about this guy because he wasn't, I think, at the forefront of my mind when I was looking at the kind of the EU Masters talent that people might bring in. But he, I think he he kind of crushed it in his first few weeks as far as expectations go for rookie Midland. And Cajal, what were your thoughts? I think he, obviously, against uh, G2, his Akali performance was great. Um, against SK, his Rise performance was great. I think if you look at his... Now, I don't like to do stats-based analysis that much, but even if you watch the games, I think his biggest weakness right now is lane pace. Um, I think outside of lane, he looks a lot more comfortable, and learning the game is definitely something he used to do in terms of like map movements. Um, but I think him and Kirei, brand new mid-jungle, right? Uh, I don't know if, don't think they've ever played together before previous this split, right? So there's a lot to work on, especially when you change mid-jungle for the team. I think BB can touch on this. It changes like the whole core of your team, doesn't it, and how it functions. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, luckily Kirei is a player who has uh, a lot of experience from past teams, right? He's been in the scene for a long time, so uh, I think he can like kind of teach some things to to Nuclear. Um, but obviously, uh, there's definitely a lack of experience in in the mid lane and like how to approach some things, and that's something that we are trying to like uh, learn with the with the process. But um, it's never easy, you know. But we're working on it, so. Do you feel like, uh, I mean, I was I was there last split and we got to talk a lot about the environment. It felt pretty much like a well-oiled machine. Like you guys were all really on the same page. Has it been easy to maintain that environment, bringing in two new players? Or has there been kind of an adjustment process to get both Kira and Nuclear Int kind of ingrained in, in the Schalke development process? 
Um, honestly, it was pretty easy. Uh, actually, um, we may not have sh shown it on stage, but actually our scrims passed, I mean, before the split even started, we had a really, really good record. I think we had around like 70% win rate against uh, most teams, which is pretty good, right? Like we didn't, yeah. we were not even close. We were not even close to that percentage last split. So I was having really, really high hopes. I was actually like, uh, wow, we're actually uh, going to smash it, you know? And then the first game against Vitality, we got uh, stomped. <laughs> that wasn't like the greatest showing from us, but uh, I think we just kind of have to pick it up. You know, like I think our stage games are not as good as we do in scrims so far. Um, that could be mainly because uh, just, uh, I think uh, people are not too comfortable yet on stage. Um, for me personally, I think individually I've been doing fine so far. I actually really like my performance, especially in solo queue as well. I've been doing really, really well. I think uh, I've, I've been peaking kind of in, in, in LP in EU. I never had over 1K LP in EU, Damn. only in NA, but yeah. Yeah, I think comfort's really important. And I think that having good scrims is a good fundamental. It's just about translating onto stage, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, do you have any, do you, does the team have good ideas right now about why that's like, why it has been a struggle to transition that onto stage? Or is it just little, th is little things going wrong? Is it, because it's always hard. Because when you guys used to come into the studio and play on stage, I could always be like, oh, it's a different environment. It's different pressure. But when you are always playing from the same room, it's kind of hard for me to understand what causes these difference, differences in performance, I guess. Um, I think it's more in like your subconsciousness. Uh, it's because like, you know, that this game matters, you know, if you mm -hmm. lose, then you're actually going to lose like one game and that's going to matter for your standings. And I think, I think it's not even like that people put a lot of pressure on themselves. It's just like a subconscious thing where, you know, people just underperform or, uh, sometimes even overperform. Like I tend to overperform when, <laughs> when there's a lot of pressure actually, uh, which I really like, but, um, yeah, it's every individual is different, right? And hopefully uh, people find it, uh, find the balance because I think we are uh, better than what we've shown so far. Well, you've shown some pretty good stuff, which is my next thing because, uh, well, you've obviously just played generally very well and you've had a lot of really solid individual performances and I think your lane phases have been really solid. But uh, the one particular performance that stands out to me was when you absolutely bodied Wonder in Nocturne versus Set, he was like 07 throughout that entire game. Obviously, I think the biggest, in my eyes, from a, from a distance, from an outside perspective, the biggest contributing factor in your win against G2 feels like the entire rest of your team just got to do whatever they want because you were you were destroying that man. You you obliterated him. Hopes, dreams. Yeah, flash solo bolo. Flash solo bolo. You got it all. Talk to me about like that. Is that just a bad matchup? Is this like is this one thousand LP broken blade just unleashed? <laughs> unleashed on the stage like what, what's happening in some of these games because you are just monstering people right now um honestly before i went into the game i had no idea what the matchup right like i never played it in scrims or something but i knew it was a fine matchup for nocturne and nocturne usually like always pushes in early like almost every matchup i believe mm -hmm. and he contested me level one and it all started from level one already and uh, i had a really good trade level one then he had to teleport back i had tp advantage and then i, I got his flash 1v1 I think he just kind of, <laughs> I think he didn't know really how to play the, the matchup, in my opinion. I, I have no idea, right? But that's how it looked like. And then eventually I get the solo bolo and it all snowballed. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was clean to watch. And it's interesting to me too, because I think the other side, obviously seeing you on the Nocturne felt like the kind of pick that I would expect you to play. And I think you've obviously, you garnered a reputation 
as kind of like the side lane split pusher guy. But I've also seen you very successful recently on things like the Lulu, on the more side lane, more supportive style picks. Um, do you feel like your champion pool has been broadening this split a little bit? Do you feel more comfortable on these picks? Because I think that last year we saw when Shalco was starting to struggle right before you made yet another um, miraculous run into playoffs. Um, you were you were branching out a little bit, but it was only once you started getting back into the Urgots and you know things that I think you just you look generally more comfortable on that Chalco really started to surge. But this split, you're playing pretty much everything that you get your hands on really really well in the laning phase. So do you feel like your champion pool has just been expanding? Um, I mean, I think I have like more of a, a systematic change of like how I approach new champions. I really like to uh, right now. I really like to spam a lot of uh, stuff. And I like to talk to other people, other pro players. Like I really like to talk to Alfari, for example, because I think he's a very, very good player. And I think he can give me a lot of insight. And same goes for him. Like we exchange information. And that's how I kind of uh, get to know champions faster, get to know to learn them faster. And uh, that's really helpful for me. I think I kind of found my way of like learning champs very well. It's it's interesting to me that you feel like you're in peak form because when I look at your spring playoffs against like G2 and and Rogue and, and Fnatic, it felt like you were performing really well, like Darius, Nocturne, and Wukong, all that stuff. Even Karma Top, you were playing so supportive role as well. Is it because the confidence in scrims and in solo queue is that is that what you're just transitioning to make you think that you're just better than you were last bit? I mean, kind of, yeah. I mean, it feels really good to be high in the ladder, right? And yeah. Also, uh, as I said, the scrims were going really well. I was actually thinking that we're just going to stomp a lot of teams, you know, mm -hmm. and it wouldn't even be close. But obviously, it, it wasn't. I mean, it, it was kind of close, actually. Uh, but hopefully, we'll actually get there at one point because I, I know how, how good my team can be. I know how good they are. You know, I, I'm not being, like, delusional or anything because I saw them play, you know, like, um, and other teams saw us play as well. And... I think we can do it. It's just uh, about us, uh, on us, actually, to, to perform, yeah. in my opinion. I think a lot of people sometimes just say it because they want to say it, you know, like, yeah, I think my team's good. But in, in reality, maybe it's not. But when you say it like this, when you're winning scrims, your team just needs more time to develop. I actually I actually genuinely believe that. I think that Schalke could uh, come back towards the late stage of uh, summer. But the problem, I guess, you have now is you're just kind of on a timer, right? Um, you only have yeah. one split to work with this new roster. Do you think that's a bad thing or does that pressure help? Um, it obviously helps me again. I like I really like to work under pressure. I think it, it's I kind of need that feeling of uh, being pressured to perform. Uh, but uh, for my teammates, I'm not sure. But uh, I'm all here to to help Nuclear. I try to talk to him a lot. I try to talk to him about everything, how to be a good player, how to be a good teammate, and uh, try to uh, make him learn as much as possible in this journey, right? Because uh, I think. He, when I was a rookie, I would have really liked the chance of other players uh, teaching me a lot about the game, and I just want them to give him that chance, and I think he can develop into a really, really good player. So it sounds like a lot of focus on nuclear intent. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it makes sense. Probably he's overall the the youngest, least experienced on the roster, because Kira, as much as you know, he's had mixed success, has played. I mean, he's played internationally, he's played in the TCL, he's played here, he's played on this, he's played in Misfits, he's, he's been everywhere, right? So it makes yeah. sense to see that focus. Um, another question on a topic that is... Um, Potentially also something that hangs over your head. I don't know how you guys are feeling this, but um, how are the rumors of the upcoming uh, Schalke sale affecting you, your expectations for the split? How is it affecting you at all, really, in any capacity um, for you and the team? Is this something that you guys think about regularly? Is it something you try to push out of your head? What's, uh, what's your read on that whole, those rumors and that potential situation? 
Um, so when I first got like the message that the, this might be happening, I was like, um, okay, this is kind of uh, weird, right? But in the end, I thought it's it it shouldn't impact me because I have uh, I have to play the split no matter what. I have to win no matter what. You know, I have to play my best no matter what. Anyways, I don't think it would change if I like if I had this insurance of um, of that. Uh, that I would be playing less good or I would be more lazy, you know, like I still want to give it 100%, 110% every split. And uh, because I know like that I have been lazy before, you know, uh, I don't want to be lazy anymore. Like I, I really hate this um, feeling of being lazy, not being able to learn champions because you just go back to your comfort. I played Aurelia so many games in NA, for example, in Soul Queue. Or there was a time where I played like <laughs> 50 games of Callista and Solo Queue and we weren't even playing it in scrims just because it was fun to me, you know? Yeah. And what I really respect in this roster is like our coach, Dylan, like he's been, he's really, really open about a lot of stuff. And when he thinks you're doing something bad, he's going to tell you uh, like, what is this? You know, like, don't do that. And you can't just disagree with him because he wants to win. And if you want to win as well, you will do everything to do so, you know? And yeah, I think comfort kind of stunts your growth in a way, right? It makes you get complacent and lazy. But when you actually go outside your comfort zone and try new things, you obviously just learn more, right? So Yeah, I mean, League of Legends and life philosophy right there. Yeah, push, push your boundaries <laughs> a little bit, you know? Get out of your comfort zone. I like it. Um, let's look ahead then to the immediate future. Playoffs, worlds, whatever else is going to happen. We can get there when we get there. Um, but right now, right in front of you, I would argue is a pretty tough week of League of Legends. You got, you got Rogue and Misfits coming up. So last question to kind of round this out. Thoughts on those matchups? How are you feeling about the team? I know you said that there's a lot of stuff that's work in progress for you guys, but are you ready for a team like Rogue? Are you ready for a team like Misfits who who is doing quite well? What's your what's your read on this weekend? Uh, actually, <laughs> to Misfits, I think uh, they're not very good. Like again, in scrims, we played them. I think nine games and we won eight out of oh, nine. Jesus. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> And uh, I think, honestly, they've been kind of lucky. They've been gotten Akali a lot of games and people didn't actually know it was OP until it was OP, you know? Uh, yep. And then everyone started playing it. Uh, obviously, Rogue, I think Rogue is a very strong team, very proven. That is going to be probably the hardest match in, on our week. But uh, obviously, we, we're not supposed to take any team lightly or something. I think Misfits uh, can still uh, beat us, you know? It's not like we're unbeatable or anything. We're not... But, um, yeah, I think it's going to be a tough week. Hopefully, we can uh, get some doves. Okay. I like it. I like the openness. I like, I, I like it a lot. I like the 8-1 scrim record, Yeah, it's very too. rare for a pro player to just come onto the interview and be like, yeah, we beat them in scrims. It was 8-1 it was, it was to us. Like, they're pretty shit. It's, it's <laughs> he like, didn't say um, that. He didn't say they're <laughs> Okay, maybe I'm instilling too much here. Calm down. <laughs> I, think, I think, honestly, they, before the split started, I think they had a lot of uh, mental boom. But mm. now that they got the wins, maybe they're better. Like, I, I don't know. Maybe yeah. they didn't play at their full potential, you know. Like, I think they might be actually better than they were, they showed us in scrims. But, yeah. And we'll find out. Maybe Shock will be the team to knock them down a peg. We'll, we'll, we'll find. Could also be Excel, <laughs> their other opponent for the week. We'll see. See if you guys can get the win. Um, either way, Broken Blade, thank you so much for taking the time. Thanks for the openness. It, it's, it's good to hear from you. It's good to hear about the team and, and kind of the confidence in building up a new guy like Nuclear Int. Um, and, and good luck and all your matchups coming up in week three. Thank you. Thanks again to Broken Blade. Um, it was wonderful to have him on the show. Of course, they play Rogue and Misfits this weekend, Gadriel. And we just talked, we just talked about spicy. it. spicy. Rogue and Misfits. I like spicy sauce. And now Karen. 
Oh my god. Rogan okay, Misfits. Rogan, Rogan Misfits, Misfits. Rogan versus Misfits. Schalke. Tell me what you think about that. Rogan Misfits versus Schalke. Yeah. What is it? I think he mm. says Misfits are overrated, but until proven otherwise, I think Misfits are going to keep beating the mid-tier teams. That's my that's my thought. Yeah. I think my biggest question to that would be when were those scrims, right? Preseason scrims yeah. can be fake data at times. So if it was before the split start, maybe they just improved. Um, I think Misfits probably. What I would say is they might go one-one this week at best. Uh, I think they're probably going to lose to Rogue. I think Rogue. Wait, is... no, Schalke, Schalke, not Misfits. Misfits play Excel. Excuse me, Schalke. Schalke play Misfits Rogue. Oh, Schalke play Misfits Rogue. Oh, my bad. Apologies. I had the yeah, wrong yeah, yeah. So I think obviously I think Schalke probably going to lose to Rogue. Um, like Broken Blade said, like they're such a good team. Uh, yeah. I think that uh, I would favor Rogue beating almost every team in the league apart from you know um, G two. Yeah. Um, and then in terms of misfits it's hard to say um i think that broken blade saying they've been getting their hands on akali too much gives me some inkling as to what they might do <laughs> take that away from them uh, and we'll see what they're like without it because vt obviously carrying games on um uh, on akali um and then you have like nuclear int versus vto which i think is a really cool mid lane matchup because they're both like young blood players very young brand yeah. new to the scene although VTO did play in spring right I think they're both very young and new and then you have Kirei versus Razork so I think mid jungle is a really cool uh, cool place to start with that matchup yeah I think but I think the big thing to me is, is that as much as Nuclear has been promising VTO has been proven and again similar to the last but the Akali is what's working out best he has a solid victor game but I want to see him on more stuff besides the comfort picks but Razork as a jungler while he's kind of quietly fallen out of the top jungler discussion um, with the rise of El Yoya and you know so many people other stepping up playing well, um, Kira still hasn't really really impressed me yet, and I feel like that's got to be a big edge. Yeah, he's only really had the performances on Sins out to win them the games. Um, yeah, and just touching on both junglers in general, Razork as Broken Blade was touching on, he was really high LP in solo queue. He was above thousand LP, and that gave him a lot of confidence. Razork is actually rank one right now on the solo queue ladder, 1.4 KLP, so he must have a lot of confidence behind him. Um, maybe the scrims are going well as well. So he's definitely feeling himself, and I think you can see Razork in these games. He is really good. He's really, really good on things like the Udyr and the yeah. Rumble. Um, doing a lot of damage for the team while also making a lot of plays uh, around the map and just forcing things with intelligence behind the force rather than just doing it because they're bored, <laughs> as we were talking <laughs> about earlier. Um, but Kirei definitely needs to see more from him. He had a really bad Talia game, which seemed out of place to pick in general, but he did get cheese level one. Jeez. He did fall behind level one. Yeah. Um, and then just the Xin Zhao games, even then, when he's playing Xin Zhao, it feels like he's not really like... You look at Dan, for example, on the Xin Zhao game, absolute stellar performance. You look at Kirei's Xin Zhao games... It doesn't feel like he's the one driving the team to win it. It's just like he's just there and he's doing his job. It's mm. not like above or below average. It's just he's just doing average things. So I need to see more from him. Who Kirei is a player who, uh, just for some pro player inside context here, has been top 10 in Challenger for the last five to six years, nonstop, consistently. Yeah. Hovering around that or finishing the season. that. So everyone always thought Kirei was an amazing jungler. Um He's doing really, really well in National League as well. Really great performances all the time. Just getting to LEC was difficult. And now that he's here, he just needs to, you know, yeah, find his form. a brief period of time when he was on the Misfits kind of B squad that got subbed in in the midst of that mm -hmm. failed Misfits super team year. Um, and he just, yeah, I, I, it's crazy because he's always been around. You know what I mean? He's always been around. And he's always been so close. And he's always been so good in solo key, as you highlighted. But he just has never quite found his like stride extra, in LEC. Just one more step. Yeah, that's all he needs. A little bit, just a little bit more. Maybe he'll find one. it this week. Um, you know, as as highlighted by Broken Blade, obviously a lot of the team's focus and a lot of the team's effort is going to nuclear in, but it's not like I think other players are getting left by the wayside. And we just have to hope that whatever's happening in scrims for Schalke, at least for their sake, 
can manifest on stage so that we at least get a banger matchup between Rogue and Misfits. We'll see who comes out on top. Other thing, Fnatic versus G2 this weekend. Oh, El Clasico. El Clasico, big opportunity for new Fnatic, I think. Huge. I think for G2, um, winning is probably not super significant because fans will always just be, ah, it's baby Fnatic. They're still learning how to play the game. They're still working together as a team. It's, uh, it's difficult. Whereas Fnatic, it's like, if you lose, that's kind of expected. But if you win, oh, shit, you yeah. just lost a Whippo Jungle. Yeah, and I, I love to measure the team's strengths by um, not how they perform against bottom tier teams, but against top tier teams, right? Yeah. And Fnatic beats Rogue. And G2 also beats Rogue. Um, and I think Rogue's a very good measuring tool to say, like, well, they're probably top two in the league. If you beat them after coming off of their good performances in the spring and their really good fundamentals already, uh, then props to you. They almost lost the vitality, of course, because they threw and they have made mistakes. It's not like they're this robotic team, which are always great. Um, but they're a very good measuring tool, I think, in the league. They beat, they lost to Fnatic. I think Fnatic, obviously, really good composition. And now it's G2 versus Fnatic. And I think this will be the second time we'll see how strong is Fnatic. If G2 stomped them, there's still a little bit more room, room to grow. But if Fnatic beat G2, all of a sudden, it's like, hang on. They beat Rogue in G2. Sorry, what? You know? Yeah, yeah. But again, like this is the thing is that that, that victory can be because I think I think the thing is is like if we just go Fnatic win without looking at how Fnatic end up winning, I think we're probably doing a disservice because Fnatic can win in like some ridiculous way. Because ultimately, like let's look back. The Shalka versus Vitality game, the first game where they just got first blood and there's like two kills and the game was instantly over. Like yeah. I don't that's a good win for Vitality. But I, if you just show me that win on paper, it. I would, yeah, like replicating it's so hard. And yeah. similarly, if Vitality had won that game versus Rogue, where Vi Rogue just chained into the Gwen, it would have been like, yes, good job, Vitality, but you were so far down in the early game that it's like, I can't really say you're a crazy great team for mm. getting ran into and taking a game. You know yeah, what I, mean? I think context is always important when you look yeah. at the games. But I think that if you look at this game, Fnatic versus G2, I think this is a more important game for Fnatic, actually, Yeah. in terms of positives, right? If G2 beat Fnatic... It's fine. You know, yeah. Fnatic doesn't matter. Fnatic, Especially if, point, even if they playoffs, get stomped, yeah. you know, it's week three. If Fnatic beat G2 after having beaten Rogue as well, I think that gives a lot of confidence to Adam, to Bwipo on the roll swap. The bot lane can feel a lot more confident that their top side is going to perform. And that's what you need. Like, that that give, that give injection of confidence could be huge for them. Um, and obviously, G2 losing to Fnatic would suck for them. Yeah. I mean, Reckless losing to Fnatic will always suck. Uh, but I think the biggest thing is Fnatic beating them is the, is the most important thing to me. Upset Hillisang versus Mickey Reckless. I will never get tired of this bot lane matchup. It's hype. Oh, it's going to be yeah. so good. Um, that said, there's some other games. I think both the Shalka matchups are interesting. Shalka versus Misfit, Shalka versus Rogue. There's a lot of games remaining in this week. There's a lot of teams to keep your eye on. True, but there's a lot of one-sided games. I think it's going to be the struggle here of week three. Um, Schalke Misfits feels like it can be competitive. Schalke Rogue is definitely very rogue-favored. You say one-sided, but you look at the end of spring, and everyone was like losing to everyone out of nowhere, exactly. which is really weird. So I think the positive framing of this week is there's a lot of room for upsets. Yeah. But the, if for you upset want... to beat G2. Oh. <laughs> um, that joke's been made too many times. Yes. <laughs> I'm upset. Anyway, um, fifty thousand. Oh my head, that's disrespect. Yeah, All right. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> um, what was I going to say? You told me there's a lot of matchups that I think, like, if you were betting, it's pretty easy to see who the odds are favored for. You know what I mean? Mostly, we got Misfits Excel, Easy Misfits, Fnatic Astralis, Easy Fnatic, Shaka Misfits, close. G two Fnatic, maybe a little bit closer, but SK Mad, Vitality G two, Rogue Astralis, SK XL, another banger, not for the right reasons, but a ba potential banger there. That gun could go either way, but for the most part. I would say seven of the 10 matchups that we're seeing this weekend are heavily favored towards one side. And as you highlighted, Cadre, it just means more room for upsets, baby. Let's go.
That's right. Sweet. Sweet. Uh, this Nothing. has been nice. season eight, episode three of Euphoria. The uh, initial title of this was Baby Daddy, spelled BB Daddy. But oh. there's going to be a new title because without context, I think that's probably just a weird vibe for someone to read on YouTube and not clickbaity enough. So we'll find a different title. The first thing to see is us. Us. We're <laughs> <laughs> <Or> debating. <laughs> Cajun and I are having a child. Um, no, we're out of control this week. I don't know what it is. The energy is wild in here. Maybe it's just because it's finally not a million degrees out. All yeah, of our energy true. is flowing out. But this has been Season 8, Episode 3 of the Euphoria Podcast. Thanks again to Broken Blade. Good luck to all the teams this weekend. Um, yeah, and we'll see you guys next week for more. Or this weekend for more. Friday, LEC, tune in. Bye.